My name is Amanda. And I'm Kristen. And, and we, we are, are the Extra Sisters. So sit back, relax, and let's get creepy. Welcome to our bonus episode that's a little different from anything we've done so far. So the way that we're going to go through this, we both had decades to research. We kind of switched off. I did the 1920s, Chris did the 30s, and so on and so forth. So we'll give you some significant women. Now we chose these women. It is not all encompassing. There are a lot of women that got left out just because we didn't want to make a three hour episode. Right. So, but we did handpick some that meant a lot to us or were in iconic films. Absolutely. So we started talking about this because I found it really interesting that, so I did more research on it. And the New York Times actually did survey in the 80s that showed that women that were viewing these films made up 55% of the viewers that were in these theaters watching these slasher films. So if we're making up the majority, come on, ladies, let's do do more stuff on this. Let's do more articles. Let's have more directors. Let's have more podcasters talking about it. Be more prominent. I have noticed with horror podcasts in particular most of them have at least one woman co-host which which is is cool there are some great ones run by men Mm -hmm. i am not saying that but there's a lot you don't think about women being so prominent in horror or as horror fans absolutely and that was just from the 80s but even when it came out Mm -hmm. recently they did another survey and it had dropped just a little bit, but it only dropped to 49% of the ticket buyers were women. So, so we're still... Pretty much half and half yes. in it. Yeah. When they did that survey in the 80s, they had had a lot of feminists who, like I said before, were upset about the slashers. Mm-hmm. But these were the women that didn't go see it. Mm-hmm. And honestly, as a female person who likes horror movies, I see it a lot as it's very cathartic. Mm-hmm. You you root for that last woman, that final girl who's gonna win. You yeah. that Jamie Lee Curtis, right, or something like that. You root for that person, and once again, it's cathartic to see the guy who's the man who's causing all this problem get beat up in the end, or mm-hmm. killed, or set on fire, or something defeated. Yeah, <laughs> and we're the ones who live every day with that fear of what you're seeing on the screen could technically happen to a lot of us that the rape the kill the stalked the being taught not to walk down alleys by ourselves even if it's a quicker way yes or things like that that's real fear that women deal with every single day right and you actually get to see it on film with maybe the killer getting beat up yeah that's pretty good gratifying yeah yeah So horror existed before the 1920s, but what didn't exist really was film. So there were, of course, plays and things that I could go back and talk about. But since we mostly do film, we're going to start in the 1920s, which I've talked about this, I think, in our first episode. We have a list to watch the best horror movies, according to Rotten Tomatoes, of every year that horror has been a thing. And I think it started in like 19... 18? It was a hundred years of horror. Oh, that's so right. yeah. yeah. So yeah, it was uh, 1918 mm-hmm. was our first movie. So it goes back, but for the sake of this, and it's a little more difficult to research really anybody back that far. But I specifically found when I was looking in the 20s and even some into the 30s and 40s, when you look at, for example, their IMDb pages or their Wikipedia pages, and you kind of want to look at their personal life, a lot of them said she married so and so, yeah, and that was you know about the extent of their personal lives and Mm -hmm. sometimes was like divorced and had kids and a lot of these women did stop acting to have families and i'm not saying there's anything wrong with that there's just not a lot of 
in-depth information about their lives or their educations or things like that. Right. So the first woman in the 1920s that I was looking into because she was in the iconic film Nosferatu in 1922 is Greta Schroeder. Uh, even before she did this in 1916, she wrote the script for The Phantom of the Opera, and she was a German actress, which That's is cool because amazing. she was a woman she wrote writer. The script. That's mm-hmm. very cool. She was in several films throughout the 1920s, and she made occasional appearances in the 1950s. There isn't much known about her, and even her death isn't, her, the date of her death isn't certain. Some say 1967, but it's more accepted that she passed away in 1980. So they actually, there was a movie in 2000 called Shadow of the Vampire, and it was calling back to Nosferatu and That's kind of cool. talking about that. But they painted her as this very famous actress, mm-hmm. and she wasn't. She wasn't before, and she didn't really gain a lot of fame. So that was an untrue portrayal of her, which they were just trying to make it dramatic. Yeah. But she really wasn't a film star. But she did... You can't talk about horror without talking about Nosferatu. Right, absolutely. And she was Ellen and his first victim. So, I mean, pretty important role. Yeah, absolutely. The other woman that I wanted to talk about from the 1920s is Laura LaPlante, or LaPlante. I'm not quite sure how she pronounced that, but... Uh, For a woman to be in two early horror films is pretty awesome. Laura starred in the 1927 classic The Cat and the Canary and followed that up with 1929's The Last Warning. The Cat and the Canary is actually often seen as like the best example of horror for that era. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I think that was on our list, right? It is, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. And entering acting at only 15, she had already landed a deal with Universal by the time she was 17. That's pretty cool. they paid attention to her, yeah. Um, we share the same birthday, but hers was November 1st, 1904, and mine was 92, so we got some time in between us there. And she acted into the 1950s and even starred alongside John Wayne. That's awesome. So she had a significant film history. And then she went on to do, to be a housewife, Family I things, assume. yeah. All right, so then I was doing the 1930s, I delved into that, and I found four women, so I was impressed by that alone. Mm -hmm. Because we'll get into it, but I don't know why I had a harder time Mm -hmm. with the 50s than I did the 30s. That Hmm. was weird to me. I delved into four women. The first one that I looked at was Elsa Lancaster. Lanchester? I don't know if I'm saying that right. Yeah. She was the Bride of Frankenstein. So that's iconic. Like, she is, she's the only really female monster that we have. That people still know. You you see her picture, you know exactly what she is. I was about to say, is. her images are everywhere. Halloween. Absolutely. Um, and even if you're looking on, like, horror Instagram, if you will, and horror Tumblr, like, those images are everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. She kind of looks like Lady Gaga. And I posted, a <laughs> I posted a profile photo of her and all of her makeup and stuff, and I was like, huh, she kind of looks like Lady Gaga. Lady Gaga should be Bride of Frankenstein next. I, they're redoing the Universal <laughs> Monsters. I think that they need to do that. They are going to be missing out if they don't, because that would be perfect. Yeah, correct. right. <laughs> there wasn't much about her. It was just she was the most well-known female monster, mm-hmm. which was great. Yeah. But she ended up dying alone, and uh, the motion picture industry took over her wealth. Like that—that's literally all that's known about her, and that's a little mm-hmm. sad. Yeah. She didn't go on to do anything else, really. Like the motion picture industry needs more wealth. Yeah, that's what Donate I was thinking. Donate that shit. <laughs> she had maybe al- they did. I don't know. She had almost a million dollars that they just took over. from her estate because she didn't have any kids or anything then i went into the original the very first scream queen and that would be fey ray from king kong Mm -hmm. she was the original scream queen she was paid ten thousand dollars for king kong 
that that was how much she made would but her doing that actually saved RKO from bankruptcy really yeah which is pretty amazing a woman that saved, people loved uh, so much yeah. yeah she was so proud of this part she actually did interviews up until when she died just saying how proud she was and she was she would, should be yeah people yeah. would ask her are you upset that you're only going to be known for King Kong? And she goes, isn't it amazing to be known for such a beloved movie? That's... How many times has King Kong be, been remade? Absolutely. Seriously. And she even said that, too. She's like, all these people keep making King Kong, and they want her to, like, show up in cameos. And she's like, why would you redo something that's so amazing? Yeah. And they've never been able to... Harness that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. She died in her sleep five weeks before her 97th birthday, which... That's how I want to go. Exactly. <laughs> and when that happened, two days later, the lights on the Empire State Building were lowered for 15 minutes in her memory. Oh, that's cool. That's amazing. Yeah. I have... love the special effects in King Kong. Yeah, absolutely. It's really cool. And then for a woman that in the 1930s, she did this to be that well-known that the and Empire honored. State Building is like, we'll lower those yeah, for okay. you. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, the next one I looked at was Helen Chandler. She played Mina in Dracula. Mm. She absolutely hated this part. Really? Yeah. Mm. Yep, she hated this part. She hated the movie. And then when I looked more into her life, because she didn't do many movies either, her life was incredibly tragic. Mm. She, I got a couple of those yeah. when I was looking. Yeah. She got burned, like incredibly burned in a house fire mm. that she... She was smoking a cigarette and fell asleep, and oh, no. it burned her. And she, she didn't deserve to get burned. No. Though. It happens all the time, and people are just like, oops. Absolutely. <laughs> she ended up incredibly disfigured for it. And then she ended up dying in surgery for a random stomach ulcer. Well, that's terrifying. Yeah, and then her she had no family, so when she died, her remains were never claimed. The motion what? picture industry ended up claiming them and putting them with the rest of the actors. But she didn't have any family. So that was pretty tragic. But Where are all these women's families? I know, right? <laughs> I mean, everybody has somebody. I mean, it makes me wonder. This is just a, guess, a shot in the dark. But it makes mm -hmm. me wonder, were their families upset that they didn't live the normal life of a wife and mother? Yeah. And they tried to do something different, and then they were just left alone. Right. That's kind of sad. The last one that I looked at... I looked at purely because I love this movie. Mm -hmm. She wasn't... She actually had the most movies that I found in yeah. horror, but she's not very well known. And it's Layla Hames, and she was in Freaks and Island of Lost Souls, which featured Bella Lugosi. Mm -hmm. She was the child of two vaudeville parents, which I love. Those are the best kids. We're talking Judy Garland. I can't think of any other names I right now, but Judy, Judy Garland came from vaudeville parents, and she was amazing. Oh, yeah. That's what happened with Layla Hames, too. She was actually the first face of Listerine. That's which was interesting. interesting. Yeah. I know, right? <laughs> she was a female, and she was the first face. Not first female face. She mm -hmm. was the first face of Listerine. And this sounds so eccentric, but I love it. Because of all of our identity theft stuff nowadays, mm -hmm. she used to print her face on her checks so that they wouldn't get stolen. And Hey, that's pretty innovative. Isn't that ingenious? <laughs> Because now we have, like, all those little watermarks, even on our money. Yeah. Well, that's smart. Good for her. All right. 1940s. Martha Vickers. Martha starred in a lot of what they considered back then B-movies in the 1940s, which, honestly, a lot of horror movies at that time were B-movies. Mm -hmm. She starred in Frankenstein Meets the Wolfman alongside Lon Chaney in 1943. Captive Wild Woman in 1943 as well. The Mummy's Ghost in 1944. She was also really popular in noir films. 
So like she was in the big sleep, ruthless and alimony. And she acted on and off until she was about 1960. But another kind of tragic thing, there wasn't a lot on her because she didn't live very long. She died at 46 um, from cancer of the esophagus. Wow. Yeah. That's sad. Yeah. She wasn't alone, though. And she so. was in a few movies for that to happen. That's mm-hmm. sad. Yeah. She probably would have continued to go on and create. I mean, esophagus. Do you think that's probably a lot of smoking? I don't know. It could be. Yeah, definitely. Which is... And at this time, in the 40s, you know, cigarettes were being handed out like candy. Exactly. So it definitely could be. She's not definitely not the first one I found that died early because of cancer. There were a couple of them. So next I have Janice Logan. Uh, Janice appeared in Dr. Cyclops in 1940. She wasn't a huge player in horror films outside of this, but the reason I wanted to bring up Dr. Cyclops and her character is because in this there are a lot of victim women especially Mm -hmm. around this time which you know it's easy to play a damsel in distress part and have the man be the hero but in this movie her character was actually a very strong character she took on the villain while a lot of the men around her were too afraid and she ended up surviving and I think it was an important precedent to set, and I give her a lot of kudos for portraying such a strong woman protagonist. Even if she didn't write it, she still did a really good job of playing a strong female character yeah. that took on Dr. Cyclops. That's you know. awesome. Yeah. Girl power, man. And she worked for Paramount and was active between 1939 and 1944. So she wasn't in film for a long time, mm-hmm. but this one role that she did, and anytime you look up horror through the decades or if you're looking at old classic horror dr cyclops always comes up so that's true i've never actually watched it but it does come up a lot Mm -hmm. we need to do that i think her character's name was mary but i didn't write it down so i could be wrong but i'm pretty sure her name was mary the next woman i talked about um evelyn anchors or onkers i think it's anchors this is a long one because she is considered one of the first screen queens as well as Mm -hmm. you know but Evelyn appeared in a lot of horror movies. So she was born to English parents in Chile and went to several specialized dramatic art schools, so she's professionally trained. Before her film work started, too, she appeared on Broadway in 1940. But then after her Broadway stint, just to encompass her 1940s horror movies, which was not all we had, but just the 40s, we have 1941's The Wolfman, her and Lon Chaney, did not get along in this oh really they did not have the time of day for each other she did not like him and she passed out from the fumes of the fog machine not the fog machine but the hating each other those sometimes make the best performances honestly yeah and uh first of all i can't imagine the fog machine thing because even fog machines now are kind of strong i can't imagine the chemicals back then or if it was the same or you know she's just passing out oh yeah she just passed out she powered through it, though, and you wouldn't know it based on her performance. And she also maintained professionalism and starred alongside Lon Chaney again in The Ghost of Frankenstein. So she put up with him again. <laughs> Even though they hated each other. For another movie, yeah. <laughs> so between 1943 and 1945, so only 43 and 45, her body of horror genre work included Captive Wild Woman, Son of Dracula, The Mad Ghoul, Weird Woman, Jungle Woman, The Invisible Man's Revenge, The Pearl of Death, and the frozen ghost. Dang. Yeah. So that's just in those two years in the 40s. And then she retired from acting for the most part. She still did. So most of these actresses, you'll look through their filmography and their TV appearances, and there'll be one here and there. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, she retired to raise a family. 
Yeah. Alright, so moving on to 1950. It was honestly kind of sad. I had the hardest time finding anybody. I found an actress that was in Them that didn't particularly like her part. She actually, she was a doctor in it. And she didn't even want to be. She was like, mm, it was cool, I was a doctor, but I really wanted a, a romance part in it. She wanted a love scene. Kind of yeah. sad. Well, that's a lot of women wanted to be... You know, and I... If a woman can do what she wants to do, and what she wants to do mm-hmm. is be a housewife and a stay-at-home mom, more power to her. Yeah. That's not any more diminished than a CEO at a company, but... If it was conditioned and she wanted that for social yeah. approval or for companies to continue looking at her because she was desirable rather than her performance, that kind kind of sucks. But who knows? Yeah. I mean, like we can ask her. So. Right. And then the only other woman I found was an actress in House of Wax. And honestly, there was nothing I could really find about them. It was just that they played in those movies and then they didn't do any other movies after that. So mm-hmm. I did do more research that I could find and I did find one woman that was pretty impressive to me and I did want to talk about and her name was Millicent Patrick Mm -hmm. and she created the mask in Creature from the Black Lagoon so she created the yes the 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 face the image that we all know right that's cool not the bodysuit so she was a part of a team she was actually originally the first female animator for Disney that's the first thing she ever did nice And then she went on to create this mask, and she ended up going out on tour to promote this movie. Nobody else in the apartment wanted to go. It was literally her. So because it was her, she ended up being touted the beauty who created the beast. Hmm. When that happened, the man who actually created the bodysuit was... Pissed? He had an incredibly fragile ego. He was known, and not just because she was a woman, but even men in departments of films that he went on to do, if they got known too well, he would have them fired. Too much credit. Yep. And that's what happened to her. She went out on tour, and she was celebrated, and it was amazing, and Mm -hmm. she got all this popularity, and and she got back, and he fired her. And it got so bad that he made sure he had enough clout. He actually has a building name for himself Mm, on the grounds. But he had enough clout that he got them to erase her name, and she never got any more jobs. We she really, was uncredited? Absolutely. She was uncredited. She never got any more jobs. We don't even know when she died. We don't know anything about the rest of her life because this tiny little ego that he had. Tore her down? Yeah. Great. Fantastic. Love that. That's so sad. Yeah. <laughs> she created such an amazing... I mean, look at that face. It's so detailed and so great. And she was never allowed to do anything else after that. Wow. Now we're moving into some of the more known stuff Mm -hmm. in the 1960s. So I decided to start 1960 off with a 1960 film called Psycho. And Miss Janet Leigh, does it get any more iconic than the shower scene? No. No. Not at all. Yeah. Yeah, Everyone knows that. Classic horror like dissonance. Yes. Uh, Janet Lee starred in Alfred Hitchcock's legendary 1960 film Psycho, but before that she was signed by MGM at the young age of 18 and got some big roles in the 40s and 50s before that. Uh, she was in Little Women 
Angels in the Outfield, which to 90s babies, that was a movie Mm -hmm. in 1951. (laughs) Her work in Psycho earned her a Golden Globe Award and an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress, which it's always cool to hear about Academy Awards specifically for horror because it doesn't happen very often. No. Horror gets snubbed a lot because it's just not... I'm not going to say it's not mainstream, but it's definitely like alternative culture. Yeah, absolutely. And I kind of liked Eli Roth did a show recently and Mm -hmm. he made a comment about how sometimes blood interferes with what the critics are viewing. It's it's true. Sometimes it clouds their vision. Exactly. Basically. Sometimes when there's too much blood in a horror movie, they're like, "No, this is gross. It's disgusting. Let's it's never talk about it." It's grotesque and excessive, yes. and doesn't need to be viewed Absolutely. by the prestigious Academy. Yeah. So anytime talk, talking about the Exorcist, Silence of the Lambs, you know things like that. It's it's fun to hear about these horror films Absolutely. prevailing, uh, and Janet Lee and Alfred Hitchcock did that with Psycho. I feel like they deserve it most sometimes. Like they, I will, yeah. That, I mean, when you read about, I'm sure a lot of actors and actresses go through really stressful things, like Leonardo DiCaprio, mm-hmm. like when he was out in the wilderness and you know, yeah. Revenant. I'm sure he went through a lot. I'm not saying he didn't, but horror psychologically, horror actresses. Like, I know I can't stop talking about this, but Tony Collette. In Hereditary, mm-hmm. that performance, in my opinion, was Oscar worthy. Absolutely, she should have been considered. But it was such a strange, scary, disturbing horror movie. Yeah, that God you know. I mean, she movie. she won the Fangoria, but that's not even televised anymore. Yeah, that I Which know is of. Sad. Yeah, it should be like she did an amazing performance, and nobody even cares really, except yeah. for us. I care a lot. Tony Collette, you did great. That was the performance of your lifetime, in my opinion. Like, she's ever going to listen to this. But, you know. (laughs) (laughs) So, after Janet Lee's divorce in 1962, she slowed down, but she still appeared in films such as Bye Bye Birdie and Harper. She later went on to star in The Fog next to her daughter, who is also just incredible. Amazing. Yeah, we'll talk about her in the 70s. And she cameoed in Halloween H2O also alongside her daughter. So we got two iconic queens. One birthed the other. Which is amazing. Yeah, which will lead you into the 70s here in a minute. Miss Mia Farrow. So Mia Farrow starred in Rosemary's Baby. And I don't really need to say much more. I mean, it's Rosemary's Baby. (laughs) The 1968 classic we just talked about in episode 9. Mia Farrow was nominated for a Golden Globe, a BAFTA, and several other foreign awards for Best Actress, one of which she won. She did a few horror movies in the 70s, and most recently returned to horror in 2006's The Omen adaptation as Mrs. Blaylock, which is ironic because in Rosemary's Baby, it's all about this demon baby ruining her life, and Mm -hmm. in The Omen, she's protecting this demon baby. So it's a continuation of Rosemary's Baby is what I'm hearing. It's very interesting. (laughs) I didn't really ever think about that because... Honestly, I didn't, you know that I just watched Rosemary's Baby for the first time. Mm -hmm. So when I saw The Omen, again, back in like when it came out in 2006, Mm -hmm. 2007, it's not something that I knew to think about. Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting looking back on it. I had seen both of them and I had totally forgotten Mia Farrow was even in the new The Omen. So I scared the shit out of me. Mia Farrow was the first American actress in history to join the Royal Shakespeare Company. And she did that in 1971, appearing as Joan of Arc, which is really cool. And she has dedicated much of her life to raising both adopted and biological children. And she also focuses heavily on humanitarian efforts abroad, mostly 
uh, focusing on human rights in Africa. So she's gone on to do a lot of good for a lot of people. I love that we're, I mean, no offense to the women in the 20s, 30s, and 40s, because they're still amazing in Mm the 50s. But I'm liking that we're getting into these women who are finally like, you know, we're getting into the 60s and 70s, and they care about humanitarian rights and philanthropy and all of that. Well, and if you think about going all the way back to the 20s, women's suffrage was not that far, you know, that I mean, so you're not getting that far away from when women were oppressed, couldn't even vote were not awarded a lot of career opportunities and so even going from the 20s to the 60s it was pretty significant yeah. in the change in the momentum shift you see for women in their careers yeah absolutely because you get less and less again and i don't have a problem with this but you get less and less of retired to raise a family a lot of times they did both so my next 1960s i know you love her is tippy hedron i love tippy hedron so much and this is another alfred hitchcock classic she played melanie daniels in the 1963 film the birds which i've got a comment that the more i think about this the more i am impressed with alfred hitchcock like mm-hmm. he, i mean he's already an impressive dude but looking at the fact that we're still coming from an era where women are either not cared about at all their opinions or they're very much still viewed as they're the simple woman princess who's mm-hmm. going to be absolutely perfect and all of this stuff. Right. That's not true. Mm-hmm. And I'm the more I'm thinking about it, the more I'm loving how Alfred Hitchcock really showed women with the the negatives as well. I mean, you see in Psycho, she's a thief. She steals money and runs away. Ingenuity. <laughs> yeah. In The Birds, Tippi Hedren is a little socialite you know Mm -hmm. trust fund baby Mm -hmm. that you kind of don't like you kind of don't like these women but you also do and i think that's impressive at a time when women were still kind of looked at as perfect yeah i loved miss crane and psycho (laughs) i mean she wasn't doing great things but you know but she was real yeah whether good bad ugly and different she was real she wasn't at home doing dishes exactly yeah Tippi Hedren also played in a few other horror movies, including a sequel to The Birds in 1994, which a lot of people don't even know there's a sequel because it basically flopped. I think the Rotten Tomatoes grade on it was like 29%. Oh my god. Yeah, I didn't even know. Like, I knew yeah. that they were, they're supposed to be coming out with a reboot, I thought. I don't know. Honestly, I haven't heard well, much about years, it. But I haven't heard about it It wouldn't surprise me. I didn't even know there was one in the 90s. You know, and it's interesting. I think people in the 90s aren't... In the 60s... This was a pretty horrifying premise because there are things things that are everywhere. So I'm sure people saw like a clan of crows, whatever that's called, and like, and so it was scary. But then yeah. in the 90s, people have now had Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street and Halloween, and like all these slashers started. So it's not as scary. Yeah. And I don't know if there was the appreciation for the classics like there is now. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe. For her work in The Birds, she received a Golden Globe, which is awesome. She had a very involved film career, but more than her film work, I was so impressed with her activism. So she began rescuing animals in 1969, and what sparked that was she was shooting in Africa, and she learned and was educated on the plight of the African lion, and she spent 11 years bringing 1981's Roar to the screen, which dives into that a little bit. Mm Mm-hmm. She also started her own nonprofit organization, the Roar Foundation, in 1983 to support the Shambhala Preserve, which is an 80-acre wildlife habitat that enables her to continue her work in the care and preservations of lions and tigers, so the big cats. She also traveled worldwide to set up relief programs following earthquakes, hurricanes, famine, and war. 
And this is kind of an interesting fact. So this is around the time of the Vietnam War, and she didn't agree with all that, and there mm-hmm. was all this strife going on. And she had a huge part in Vietnamese American nail salons being prevalent in the United States. That's so random, but awesome. But think I want to know how. Like, how did that start? Yeah, <laughs> think about the significance of that, too. This woman mm-hmm. started, I mean, that is huge. Yeah. I mean, you go into almost any nail salon and it is Vietnamese run. And right, this absolutely. woman ha- played a huge part in starting that. That's great. I I would love to like have been a fly on the wall on them starting that. That would have been amazing. Yeah. So I have a lot of questions about that, but I didn't have the time to like that's an essay all on its own. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like just that what she like just delving into Tippy in. Hedren alone because she's still alive and she's still active in charity. So that's not all she I does. Feel bad. I didn't realize she was still alive. Yeah, she's like eighty nine years old. I love her. Keep going, Tippy. Yeah. And your signature is amazing. I don't know if you you guys should seriously look it up. It's got birds in her signature for like the birds. It's amazing. That's what I, iconic. I would yes, do something like right? that. She's so smart. My next one is Yvonne De Carlo. Yvonne wasn't your classic scream queen, but she was part of everyone's favorite monster family, which I thought was important to talk about because Yvonne played Lily Munster in the show The Munsters. And because of her work in this, she's been awarded two Hollywood Hall of Fame stars. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. Like, do you think there's one for Lily Munster and one for her? I don't know, actually. I wonder what the two are. That's still cool, though. Yeah, and because even when I was a kid, you know, we'd be waking up on Saturday, Sunday morning, some of the old TV shows would be on the Classic yes. Movie Network, and my parents would be like, oh, the monsters, mm-hmm. you know? And so I watched this black and white yeah. monster family. That's hard to talk about the 60s without talking about Lily Munster, so. And the last one I have for the 60s is Judith O'Day, and it's difficult to talk about 1960s films without talking about Night of the Living Dead that came out in 1968. Absolutely. She, yeah. They're coming for you, Barbara. Yeah, she Love played Barbara. Her. Yep. As she reprised her role for the 2017 film Night of the Living Dead Genesis, which I didn't see. Oh, I have never seen it. I've seen the original Night of the Living Dead, yeah, so I know right. who she is, but I have not seen Genesis. Mm-mm. She was a Phoenix International Horror and Sci-Fi Film Festival Hall of Fame winner, and she did some films, but this was definitely her biggest role that mm-hmm. she ever did. So we're moving on to the 70s the 70s what such a good uh, decade for yes. horror let's be honest it's when i was it's a, amazing when we were going through the decades we just did it alphabetically you know yeah. amanda first with the 20s and then i saw that you got the 70s and i was like damn it honestly <laughs> i was a little jealous you got the 60s so oh yeah oh well Th- did i miss anybody you would have talked about in the 60s i don't i don't think so tippy was my main girl so yeah you yeah good on that. thank you, you thank you so i'm gonna start it out with your your lady we got linda blair okay I have mixed feelings about Miss Linda Blair. <laughs> Incredible. Amazing. Flawless performance in The Exorcist. Can't even look at her. Like, <laughs> like I can as an adult because you age. Yeah. You know, your face ages. But, like, just watching her in interviews when she was a child mm-hmm. puts me in a bad headspace <laughs> because The Exorcist is so scary to me. Yeah. But, man, I love her and her performance in that. Yeah. Right. She hasn't done a lot of movies. Mm-hmm. I mean, her main one, and the one we're obviously talking about, is The Exorcist. Mm-hmm. That's what she's iconically known for. And does she really need anything else? Exactly. <laughs> so, moving on to her as a person. She is 
an amazing philanthropist. I actually, mm-hmm. I didn't write all of it down because she does so many things. Yeah. She's a huge animal lover. So she has actually created her own foundation for abused animals. After Hurricane Katrina, she went to Mississippi and she saved herself. She saved 51 dogs that had been abandoned. Poor babies. And then she went, she has actually co-authored a book called Go Vegan, which I think we need to check out. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're trying to work on that. I'm sticking it vegetarian right now and we've mm-hmm. got a friend who's full on vegan. It might be interesting to check out. That's yeah. mostly what I had for her. She hasn't, like, she, her she hasn't Her body done... of work isn't exactly but her philanthropy is pretty impressive but she took her success and her ongoing i'm sure either whether it's royalties from that movie or just the legacy of that movie took that and did so much good with it and found things that she was passionate about and made a difference absolutely which honestly you're in the most i'm gonna say the most iconic horror movie ever made Mm -hmm. i mean and she was, I think she was nominated for an Academy Award for this, wasn't she? Was, she? Yeah. yeah. So at such a young age, there are a lot of child actresses and actors that seem to like burn out and disappear. But even though she didn't do a lot of film work, she didn't disappear. You know, she just did right. what was important to her, yeah, which absolutely. I respect 100%. All right, sticking with The Exorcist, mm. I was so happy to delve into her because. While I love her, I honestly didn't know a lot about her, and I'm happy I looked more into it. Yeah. So we have Ellen Bernstein. Mm, yes. Yeah. When she started in film, she realized right off the bat that she could have a career based on her look. She really could. She could have been that beauty that we have as Janet Lee and we have as Tippi Hedren. And she, and, yes. Yeah. And she decided that she could do that, but it would be short and really unreliable. Looks don't last forever. Exactly. But talent does. So she decided that she was going to go to school and she studied acting. She studied the art of acting, mm-hmm. not just her looks and could yeah. she do it Be on thrown into roles and read some dialogue, yeah. Absolutely. It obviously paid off for her because she's still acting at 85. She did great in The Exorcist, but I gotta say one of the most haunting roles I've seen her do was in Requiem for a Dream. You had me watch that movie mm-hmm. and it still sits with me and mm-hmm. horrifies me. Because of her fucking performance man it's so sad it's so well done like that's another thing she should have been noticed for that absolutely you know like i'll i don't watch that movie very often because it is so psychologically it's hard to endure almost because of her performance like you care about her son and the other characters in this but they're doing things to themselves absolutely you know and she's dying alone and the just the way she looks from the beginning to the end of this movie doesn't even look like the same person and she did so good so if you haven't seen requiem for a dream and you're a horror fan and you like her yeah you should watch it yeah we have a list so we have our hundred movies to watch Mm -hmm. throughout the decades and we also have a separate list of most disturbing movies which you would think would mostly be things like human centipede and stuff like that but this was actually on our list for Mm -hmm. the psychological disturbance Mm mm-hmm which it is. Yeah. It stays with you. She ended up turning down a lot of roles throughout her career because she decided she wanted to portray women as heroes. When she started, most roles were a woman could be a villain, she could be a wife, prostitute, or victim. Damsel in distress. That was it. Those were the roles for women back then. And she decided she wanted to be a hero, which is impressive. That's what we want. We want strong female mm-hmm. characters. And even now... Like I said, at 85, she is just starting directing. She is in the process of directing her very first movie, which she's also starring in. 
Good for her. I'm going to see it. I don't know what it is, right? but I'm going to go see it. If for no other reason than to support her. Absolutely. There's not enough women directors and producers and especially in the horror genre. So, and if to have somebody that legendary, yeah. You know, it's going to be good. And to be starting that at 85, she's like, "Hell yeah, she's I'm not, not going to retire." Down. Exactly. No. I'm going to do something new. Long live Ellen. <laughs> right? Uh, moving on, I looked into Sissy Spacek because she's amazing. Mm. She's absolutely amazing. I don't don't even know what else to say. She was obviously in Carrie. Yeah. At 17, she lost her 18-year-old brother to leukemia. God damn, dude. Yeah. She said this tragedy is what made her fearless, and it added more depth to her acting, which I can... I'm sure. Absolutely. At that point, just go for it. Especially if you're being asked to portray a character that is in so much pain and sorrow, it's easy I'm not going to say easy because I'm not, I don't act, but you know, if you put yourself in a headspace to perform these kinds of emotions and take yourself back to when you have been so destroyed, I'm sure that that comes across on camera and it's what makes actors and actresses so great. Well, yeah, they, people didn't even want to see Sissy Spacek even try to do Carrie, Mm -hmm. but she was like, let me try it. I'll be amazing. And she did it. Uh, yeah. I appreciate Chloe Grace Moretz's portrayal too, Mm -hmm. but still like doesn't stand up original yeah she was nominated for an oscar for carrie which once again that's amazing that she was even nominated and Mm -hmm. then she actually later on went to win an oscar for best actress in coal miner's daughter which Uh, i don't know if you've ever seen that's how i was introduced to sissy spacek and i love that movie that's still one of my top movies that i've ever seen see i was introduced to her through carrie uh it was one of those movies, we've talked about this before, how, like, you're sitting around on a weekend with your parents, or mm-hmm. you're just kind of, like, cleaning the house, or, yeah. and there's a Stephen King movie on, or, like, for, you know, you said Jeepers Creepers was one of those, yeah. and this was one of the ones that I saw on TV. It's not a horror movie, you guys, but Coal Miner's Daughter, it, she portrays Loretta Lynn, which is mm-hmm. a great country music star, and I know you don't like country music, but she's still making I can appreciate she it. She is, like, we have our... Queen of horror, Jamie Lee Curtis. Loretta Lynn is the queen of country music. And she has also had a pretty amazing life. And that movie is amazing. So if you guys can check it out, I would honestly advise you to. It's not a horror movie, so don't look at it that way, but it's great. I moved on to Jamie Lee Curtis, and <laughs> I don't have a lot to say about her, honestly, because she is our queen. She our, speaks she for is herself, our queen. Yeah. Like, what am I supposed to say that hasn't already been said? Right, yeah. Obviously, her iconic role. Halloween. Halloween, yeah. She is so beyond proud of that. She Un- should be. Yeah, just like Faye Ray, people ask her all the time, aren't you upset that you're going to be known for Halloween? And she goes, absolutely not. I mean, there were, like, Psycho was, like, a killer, but Halloween really is seen as the start of yeah. the modern slasher. Absolutely. And it is truly scary, honestly. She hadn't been in anything else. She's this brand new yeah. a kid to acting. Doe-eyed, yeah. And she's the queen now. Yeah. That's pretty impressive. I wouldn't be. She's like, she even talks about how when she dies, it's literally going to say Halloween actress dies. And she's happy with that. She's proud of that. As she should be. Yeah. And honestly, when she reprised her role for the 2018 Halloween, I loved that she, yeah, she did let it mess with her psychologically, but she was not going to let him get her again. Absolutely. Gun ranges, traps, mm-hmm. uh, escape rooms, panic rooms, panic buttons, like yeah. floodlights all over, motion sensors. That would be me. Yeah. Honestly, like. 
She's been in a lot of other horror movies. Yeah. She was in Terror Train and Prom Night and things like that. She did The Fog with her mom, like I talked about, yeah. I honestly haven't seen any of those. I plan on it. Mm -hmm. Hopefully, especially with this podcast, we're definitely going to get to a lot of movies I haven't seen, and I'm excited. Yeah. But in just her regular life that's not on screen, she has written 13 children's books. Oh, I'm going to buy those if I ever I have know, kids. Right? Or buy them for other people's kids. <laughs> yeah. She adopted two kids, and she's actually a baroness because of her husband. Nice. Yeah, right? So mm. she's our queen, and she's also literally in real life She's actual royalty, not <laughs> yes. just horror not movie Not just royalty. our royalty. Yeah. yeah. Those are the little things I had about Jamie Lee Curtis. But honestly, you guys, we all know she's amazing. How yeah. I can't say. And there's so much that, like, John Carpenter talked about, couldn't talk enough good things about her. Yeah. He couldn't say enough good things about her while filming Halloween because it was such an uncomfortable role to play. But she did so well. And a lot, some things he just told her, like, hey, just roll with it. And yeah. so some of the stuff you see in the films is just her rolling with it. In so. her very first film. Yeah. She and he's still, when you listen or watch John Carpenter interviews about Halloween even today he still like talks about her in such high esteem I think she was 19 when she did Halloween she was young I know that yeah so the predecessor to Halloween that not a lot of people really talk about being the predecessor to Halloween but it really was was Black Christmas that was a huge slasher and not the 2005 or 6 one <laughs> no not with the candy cane we're talking the original black christmas with margot kidder and olivia husey and i'm talking about both of those women right now mm-hmm. because they're amazing margot kidder she was in black christmas and amityville horror those mm-hmm. are the horror movies we're talking about she's been in a lot of other things but i'm mostly just talking about the horror movies on of these course. women yeah she <clears throat> won the canadian film award for best actress for black christmas yeah. <laughs> yeah. She did a really good job. She thought, she hated Amityville Horror, though. She thought, literally in her words, she thought Amityville Horror was a piece of shit. Which was amazing because it actually gained huge box office success. Mm-hmm. But she hated her role. She was another tragic figure, though. While mm-hmm. I think she's an amazing woman, she died of a self-induced drug overdose. And she was such a tell me I'm wrong, go right ahead, but this would be me in a heartbeat. She literally, she died alone, Mm -hmm. and she told her friends, this is before she was even planning to commit suicide, she's like, if you ever come over and you find my body, what I want you to do, because she lived up in the mountains all by herself, she's Mm -hmm. like, and she used to feed wolves. She'd, Mm -hmm. like, feed them at her door. She's like, what I want you to do is I want you to take my body out, take my naked body out, go leave it up the mountain for my wolf friends to eat. Mm Hmm. I would do that. I would so do that. (laughs) First of all, no. (laughs) Why? They need to eat. Come on, man. Circle of life. Let's do this. (laughs) I mean, she stayed creepy to the end, I guess. Yeah. Jesus. (laughs) The second woman in Black Christmas that I love was Olivia Husey. Mm -hmm. And I was actually introduced to her in Romeo and Juliet. She's amazing. Amazing production. Loved her even more in Black Christmas. Mm -hmm. She didn't have a lot of films that she ever did, but just in her personal life, I feel like she's such a strong woman. I wanted Mm -hmm. to talk about her. That's why we're we're doing it, yeah. She's such a personal woman. There's not a lot of information known about her. She does fall in love, it seems, very deeply, but a lot. Mm -hmm. Kind of like Janet Lee did. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She has had four major love interests, and she's had three kids from three marriages. She actually, she survived 
a physically abusive relationship where she was raped. She was staying in Sharon Tate's house, actually, after she died. Like, right after she died. Within days. Ooh. Yeah. She was just staying there, and she had been fighting with her ex-boyfriend, and he broke in and raped her, which is horrible. But for yeah. her to then survive that and go on to deeply love these three other men and continue to have a career because this was before mm -hmm. Black Christmas or anything. That's a strong woman to yeah. pick up those pieces and move on. Yeah. And through all of that, she's still an agoraphobic. She's still out and about. She still is acting, finding love, and she hates being outside. Yeah, I don't blame her. Moving on to the end of the 70s, we have Sigourney Weaver. Miss Sigourney. From Alien. Do you know what I know Sigourney Weaver from? I'm ready. Holes. <laughs> <laughs> The painting of the nails, of yep. the poison. Yeah. So Sigourney Weaver in Alien. So she is she is the ultimate strong woman. Yeah. I mean, she's fighting off aliens in a big old spaceship. Mm -hmm. She's the ultimate strong woman in horror. She's great friends with Jamie Lee Curtis. So come on, that matches her up with our queen. Bet. That's awesome. <laughs> That's a good friendship. Yeah. And she's... She's had a really hard time in Hollywood, interestingly enough, for us to know so many movies of hers. She's actually lost a lot of parts because she's six foot three. Whoa. So, I knew she was tall. You can yeah, tell she's tall, but exactly. it, it's hard to put her when she's always with like tall men. It's kind of yeah. hard to gauge that, I guess, or notice exactly. it. Exactly. So you literally, you can't put her in some of these stereotypical roles. She's six three. She's going to tower over her love exactly. interest. <laughs> the last woman I had was Dee Wallace. Which, she's the one with the least amount of information on her, but the most amount of horror movies minus Jamie Lee Curtis. Mm -hmm. We have The Howling, and Cujo, and E.T., and Critters. Mm -hmm. This woman just went after movie after movie after movie. Mm -hmm. She was also touted a Scream Queen, which is great. You know, I like collecting those little who's mm -hmm. who's. Her husband died in 1995, leaving her alone with an eight-year-old daughter. She actually went from that. It, that's why she kind of retired from acting for a while. And she decided that once she picked up the pieces, she wanted to help other people pick up the pieces. So she went on to create a call-in radio show for self-help people that are going through that's problems. Cool. I think that's pretty impressive. Yeah, I love it when women, and anybody really, but since we're talking about women, go through things and then they make it their mission to help other people that are going through things. Absolutely. A lot of people go through things alone, and their only help is through television, film, yeah. radio, you know. And so for someone to reach out in those medias is important. Absolutely. 1980s. <laughs> the year of the big giant hair and the bright colors. Yeah. And so the first woman that I am going to talk about for the 80s is Heather Langenkamp and you cannot mention women in horror in the 80s without talking about Heather's character Nancy in the 1984 Wes Craven film Nightmare on Elm Street so she was your main character she yes. was the one getting taunted and harassed and uh, couldn't sleep yeah. the iconic bathtub scene that's her she has said that even kids who have bullies or gay people that want to come out to their parents mm -hmm. they use nancy and freddie as their view of if she can do it i can do it or that's my freddie or that's the thing that i need to get over they use that film as that because she tried so hard to overcome movie. it yeah it's a horror movie people this isn't some drama that won an academy award that's amazing to me i love yeah. that 
Well, and people take, there's a literal monster on the screen. Yeah. And metaphorically, you know, they've mm -hmm. got these monsters to defeat themselves. So they're going to pull an Nancy. It's And great. they're going to kick its ass. <laughs> yeah. She returned to the character for the third Nightmare on Elm Street. And she was also in Shocker and Wes Craven's New Nightmare. So for the part of Nancy, she beat out Demi Moore, Courtney Cox. And there were like several other well-known actresses that she beat for the role of Nancy. That's which awesome. Which is pretty cool. She did and some. she was unknown at this point. Yeah. That's she great. did some horror films after, but nothing that got really big. But again, it's kind of like in Jamie Lee Curtis, if she's known for Halloween, if you're known for Nightmare on Elm Street, right? you did pretty well, exactly. even if it was just one time. I'm excited for this next one because Zelda Rubenstein is not somebody that you, or that at least I have, I haven't really heard much about her when you talk about horror movie stars, but she was the do not go into the light in Poltergeist. So she was the high-pitched paranormal investigator that many people say stole the show in 1983's Poltergeist. She definitely did. She's amazing. Oh, yeah. She actually did not pursue acting until she was in her middle ages. That's great. So she had, like, a stable medical technician job. She was doing her thing and going through life, and she was like, I'm fucking bored. This, this is boring. Let's try I, this yep. That's So great. she went into acting. Yep. Steven Spielberg described her as dominating the set. Like, she's, she's four foot three inches. And her crew, mem the crew members in the cast were just like, she was the biggest presence on She set. was on film, so mm -hmm. that's great that she was off, too. And her iconic voice in the 2000s, she narrated the show Scariest Places on Earth, which was hosted by Linda Blair. Oh, Yeah, so really? you had Linda Blair hosting this show, and then Zelda narrating this that's show. That's great, so it's freaking creepy. Yeah, I remember seeing this show, it was just kind of randomly on TV when I was younger, I think around middle school age, so I had just seen The Exorcist. And seeing Linda Blair do this show, I was like, nope. <laughs> and I turned it off, to be honest. It'd be cool to go watch now if we can yeah. find it. I'm sure we can somewhere. But I couldn't watch it because I couldn't listen to it. I just We're going to have to find that. Triggered. That I was triggered. Awesome. Yeah. Miss Betsy Palmer is next on my list for the 1980s. Uh, speaking of Nightmare on Elm Street, there's another 1980s classic slasher. What do you think of when you think of Nightmare on Elm Street? Friday the 13th. Together. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So Friday the Thirteenth is obviously she played none other than Mrs. Voorhees in the 1980 film. And even though there have been about 738 Friday the Thirteenth films, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> she only repri reprised the role once for the sequel in 1981. And That's then it right. was pretty much pretty dominant, Jason. Mm -hmm. I think for most of the other ones, because in the first one. I'm sure everyone's seen it a million times, but Jason wasn't in it as the killer. Right. It was her. So she's a slasher. Like Jason is exactly. the iconic slasher, but it was really yeah. his mother. So Betsy Palmer did a great job of being the crazy slasher for this. So Miss Cassandra Peterson. I don't think I have to say much more than Elvira, Mistress of Darkness, and How I Wish I Was Her. <laughs> <laughs> I aspire to be as awesome as her. Like, I would love for this podcast to be as awesome as uh, Movie Macabre. Yeah. The show she did. I bet. I don't know if you know, but she actually graduated from Palmer High School. which In Colorado Springs? In Colorado Springs. What? Downtown. I had no idea. Yeah. Or I didn't pay attention. <laughs> I was researching. Yeah, she graduated from Palmer High School. Wow. Downtown Colorado Springs, which is, you know, only... A mile, two miles from where we work. That's pretty cool. That's awesome. Yeah. But 
she actually, you know, had a really hard time in school. She was picked on a lot because she was in a kitchen accident when she was little, and she received scars that covered over 35% of her body. Well, you wouldn't know it. I know. She, she even comments, she's like, the costume was very specifically placed <laughs> to cover the scars and show her assets. But yeah. And she was a gothic sex symbol. Damn straight. And just like an aesthetics goal, to be honest. Damn like, straight. And she was picked on and a nerd, basically, in high school. And that's her now. You go, girl. Hmm. Well, if she was picked on and a nerd, then I hope Palmer High School isn't like Elvira. We had Elvira. Oh, they most <laughs> you know? definitely are like yeah. we had Elvira. So the last horror icon of the 80s that I have to talk about is Shelley Duvall. And if you don't know who Shelley Duvall is, she is the screaming lady in The Shining. (laughs) (laughs) Jack Torrance's wife. Yes. She did an incredible job portraying this. So uh, The Shining came out in 1980 and it was directed by Stanley Kubrick. Shelley Duvall said that she learned more from Stanley Kubrick and The Shining than she did doing any other project she'd ever done. Mm -hmm. Because Stanley Kubrick was so meticulous with her. Because Stanley, mean. yeah, and so, yeah, he said she said that he was a different director with her. Yeah, but he would specifically like be more psychologically creepy to her or be harder on they her. They argued like, all the time. Like uh, Jack Nicholson is allowed to come on set whenever he wants, and if she's five seconds late, it's a whole thing. And he specifically did that for the movie. Make her high in high intensity. That's an amazing director. Like so, horrible for her. But right. She said that the you know the baseball bat scene. Yeah. She had to do that 127 times. Oh my god. Yep. She literally like had clumps of hair falling out yeah, during this. So you can see it her. in her face. Like yeah. that's a good performance, but also yeah, that's a hard ass time you're having. Absolutely. There. A lot of these women were animal lovers, and she wrote some children's stories and songs, and she incorporated all her pets into them. And she retired from acting in 2002, and she really hasn't done anything since then other than she was talked about for some mental illness struggles and was on Dr. Phil, but sometimes Dr. Phil's kind of exploitation, in my opinion. I hope that wasn't because Stanley Kubrick. He just, like, destroyed her for the rest of her life. That's got to leave some scars, at least. I guess look at Heath Ledger. Yeah, right. But she, I mean, she did do quite a few films after this, and so it wasn't like it just totally killed her, but, you know, I guess she struggled a little bit, but that, you know, the performance she gave in The Shining was incredible, and I don't ever, especially with mental illness, that's something that a lot of people suffer from and nobody talks about, so if she did go on Dr. Phil to talk about that, good on her for bringing awareness and normalizing that stigma that is associated with mental health, so good for her. You look at all these actors and actresses, and sometimes I go, you make entirely too much money to really understand it. I sit here and go, well, look at Heath Ledger and Shelley Duvall, and they have such emotional problems afterwards. It's like, it must be incredibly difficult to be so many different characters and people all the Mm -hmm. time. It's like having your own multiple personality disorder. And the fact that mental health can be genetic and... Depression doesn't really discriminate. Anxiety doesn't discriminate. Bipolar disorder doesn't discriminate. And sometimes living such a public life can, I'm sure, exacerbate the problem. Absolutely. You don't have time to deal with it on your yeah, own. Yeah, you may have the money for the treatment, but that doesn't 
mean you're going to call you out if you go to therapy and they catch you on camera exactly so you know they're saying more money more problems you know at least if i needed to go and i have you know gone to therapy it's a private experience between me and my therapist and there's not somebody waiting outside a camera to break down all the work I just did with my therapist or try to get the inside scoop when somebody's truly suffering. Absolutely. You know, so. Moving on to the 90s, I'm starting with Nev Campbell. Yeah. Scream. There are certain films that make up a decade, Mm -hmm. and Scream is one of those. Oh, yeah. That everyone knows it. Absolutely. Everyone knew the rules in it. It was great. Mm -hmm. (laughs) She did four Scream movies, and she won the Saturn Awards, which actually is like Fangoria, and it's Mm -hmm. for us horror movie buffs it also started to encompass sci-fi people but mm-hmm. she won the saturn awards for best actress for scream after she did those four scream movies she actually just disappeared from hollywood she didn't do anything after that and she hasn't done anything philanthropic that i could find yeah which you know not that that defines somebody but it is cool when you find out that these women are making moves to try to change things but yeah. I, you know if she wanted to she probably could have done more but if she just wanted to live a quiet normal ish exactly life it. then good on her yeah i think that's exactly it she just was tired of all the paparazzi and I all of that imagine. and she just wanted to leave as that's fair as much social anxiety as i and i think i mean we both oh, must have be. having somebody not just being outside your home or like mm-hmm. oh god i cannot imagine not feeling safe private right ever like mm, no I, I wouldn't want it no at least with podcasting and even youtubing it's like nobody really sees you mm-hmm. and you're not gonna unless you're like the shane dawson or the ace family of the world you're not gonna get the amount of fame where paparazzis are like mm-hmm. trying to find your address you know right this exactly. is the most i'll probably ever do <laughs> uh, moving on to kathy bates Oh, Miss Kathy Bates. Misery is so good. I was introduced to her originally in Titanic, and once I knew how amazing Mm, she was in such a big budget movie, I went back and found other things that she was in, Mm -hmm. like Misery. Uh, She actually won Best Actress for this movie because she was amazing. Yes, I mean you've heard us say it's really hard for even horror movies and amazing for horror movies to be nominated, but especially when these women are winning. Yeah. Yeah. She's been in four seasons of American Horror Story now. Mm -hmm. Keep going, girl. I love her. Mm -hmm. And she has actually battled both ovarian and breast cancer and has had a double mastectomy. She's still kicking. Like, she's strong. Not just kicking. She's she's rolling right along. Good for her. Yeah. If you haven't seen Misery, you should really go. Take... If it's snowy where you live, take a snow day and watch yes. it. Like on a weekend, light a fire. If it's not so snowy where you live, rainy day. Yeah. Definitely. 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 Juliette Lewis is my next one. She did Cape Fear and From Dust Till Dawn. I love Cape Fear. I've never seen Cape Fear. Oh my god. It was one of those movies that I just happened to walk in on my parents watching and I sat down and watched it and then I watched it again and again and again. Isn't it? No, I haven't seen it. Yeah. Isn't there like some sexual stuff yes. in it and they were okay with that? He's a pr- So Robert De Niro is in it yeah. and he's basically convicted criminal and... It's been a long time since I've seen it, but I'm pretty sure he's out for revenge on this family because the dad was the prosecutor that put him away. I know that this is a remake, and that was the premise of the okay. original. So I didn't know it was a remake, but yeah. um, it's so suspenseful. I think Gregory Peck's in the remake in the original. That would make sense. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's really good, and I know we're not talking about Cape Fear right now, but 
man, you, yeah. So he tries to make, like, sexual advances to their, like, teenage daughter to, like, make her like him. And he'll, like, call her up. And he, I, you don't, I don't remember if he is really into her or if he's just trying to get into mm-hmm. the house. But he fucking slits someone's throat with piano wire. Like, dang. Yuck. And when, oh, that sounds awesome. When we watched Audition, watch like, that's what the piano scene beheading reminded me of. Up. But he doesn't behead. I think he just cuts their throat with it. She was nominated for a Golden Globe and an Academy Award for Best Actress for Cape Fear. Mm-hmm. And nowadays, she's actually in a rock band called Juliet and Licks. How? Really? <laughs> yeah. Interesting. I'm gonna have mm-hmm. to Spotify that later. Yeah. Jodie Foster. Oh, I mean, she's been talked about as, like, a child prodigy mm-hmm. for acting. Mm-hmm. She was Silence of the Lambs. She won Best Actress for Silence of the Lambs. She has actually, in recent years, she's been turning to directing. She has directed episodes of Orange is the New Black, House of Cards, and she even... Yeah. yeah, She even directed an episode of Black Mirror, Archangel, and she has won, including Silence of the Lambs, she has won three Best Actress Awards. Silence of the Lambs is one of my favorite movies of any genre. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah, I'm reading the book right now and it is it's amazing even mm-hmm. in the book so you get into the movie and they're going fast there but i'm getting into the book and she just met hannibal lecter and the conversation back and forth is so fast it he doesn't even have time to write he said she said it's just bam 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 which is keeps you into it yes. yeah he doesn't say the fava beans and a nice chianti by the way in the book <laughs> he doesn't say that it was a good ad. I, I wouldn't surprise me if Anthony Hopkins did uh, that. Yeah, ad lib. Yeah. yeah. The last woman I have, I'm just going to group them together. Sarah Michelle Gellar. Your what? queen. No offense, you guys, but I personally don't like Sarah Michelle Gellar. I have, I'm a Buffy fan, and she did some things to the franchise, and I'm upset about it. But she's still mm-hmm. an amazing woman, and an amazing woman in horror. Mm-hmm. She did, I know what she did last summer was her movie, Mm -hmm. but I'm looking at Buffy. Buffy the Vampire Slayer started in 1997, Mm -hmm. the TV show. Mm -hmm. She is the epitome of strong woman. Joss Whedon created her to be, she is the woman that goes after the monsters instead of the monsters going after her. Mm -hmm. She is that woman. She hunts them down. She's that strong She's not sitting and waiting to be killed. Yes. She's smart. She, she's amazing. And I feel like that's the kind of woman women should look up to Mm -hmm. and in that show we also have eliza dushku who was i mean we're looking at two slayers right there which Mm -hmm. i know you don't know a lot about the show but yeah but i understand that much we have buffy the vampire slayer we have faith the vampire slayer and then you have allison hannigan who i love her so much Mm -hmm. she's she's my girl Mm -hmm. i love her and in the show she starts off as this meek little woman and she turns out to be this badass witch she's amazing you have these three women in one show and there's plenty more that i'm not even talking about but these three main women are absolutely amazing they're Mm -hmm. strong independent figures that everyone should look up to yeah moving into the 2000s this is the horror that i am most accustomed to i guess because this was when i really started watching horror movies when i was late elementary into middle school and so these are the movies that I'm probably most familiar with, at least seeing them when they released or shortly after. So I, there was a lot to talk about for this, but I tried to narrow it down so this wouldn't be, again, a three-hour episode. Teokoko Fuji. 
I put this on here for you specifically oh first. Oh my god. No. <laughs> you cannot. I know you did. And you, you tried to trick me. You tried to trick me. <laughs> yeah. You can't talk about 2000s horror though without talking about The Grudge. You just can't. That's I mean, how I feel, but I feel like a lot of people, when I say it scares me, they look at me like, eh, why? I mean, I can tell you when I was in middle school, especially, and I'm not saying just because I was in middle school it was scary, but it truly, like, was scary. Well, I'm glad you thought it was scary, because most people, I tell them that movie scares me, and they just look at me and go, mm, you're crazy. Yeah, but you have a thing with eyes, and Ooh, literally the entire movie is the eyes looking at you, and the you don't like contortionist movements, and... So that makes sense why it scares you. Yeah. I mean, imagine being so terrifying that I can't even send you the headshot <laughs> you guys, without being triggered. You guys, she tried to send me a text on, hey, this is who I'm going to look up. And I literally sent one back going, based on the ethnicity of this name, I'm not looking it up alone in my house because I had a feeling <laughs> that she was her. trying to trick me. It could have been the ring girl. It wasn't, but it could have been. <laughs> <laughs> she did a total of six grudge movies between america and japan and she also does voice acting and dubbing to this day and fun fact she dubbed over kate winslet for the japanese dub of titanic <laughs> that's great can you picture that no. <laughs> i would love to find just a little clip of that no. to see how she sounds I'm over like, it list in my head i'm just thinking of her voice when she's talking about peter mr peter yeah. mr peter over and over i'm just thinking of that as titanic kate winslet mr. no <laughs> Mr. Jack. <laughs> <laughs> I just have a little honorable mention of Sarah Michelle Gellar. I know you talked about her for the 90s and Buffy, but she did The Grudge in 2004 and The Grudge 2 in 2006. But I'm sure you appreciated her much more as Buffy. Well, that's actually why I wanted to watch The Grudge. Mm -hmm. Now I'm horrified and shouldn't have done it. That's why I wanted to watch The Grudge was because I was a huge Buffy fan and Sarah Michelle Gellar was in it. And there were two other actors there was an actor and an actress that were mm -hmm. also from Buffy and I was like oh my god this is my movie it's horror and my Buffy characters and then it was horrible <laughs> <You're scared laughs> for life. so my next one is Catherine Isabel and one of the best horror movies in my opinion to come out in the early 2000s was Ginger Snaps have you ever seen Ginger Snaps I have not okay. I've heard so many things about yes. it and I want to watch it so yeah I usually don't get into werewolf films but I just watch a lot of the older ones for some yeah. reason and haven't got a lot of the new ones so I actually one of my exes like convinced me he was like you have watch to watch it. this film yeah you need to watch this movie and i was like no i don't want to i don't feel like it i'm not into werewolf movies which is not really fair because i've never really watched any werewolf movies so i just was like i'm not gonna like it mm -hmm. you know and i was hooked like really? it, it pulls you in yeah Catherine just, isabel oh go ahead i just feel, well what i remember of the cover which honestly you guys isn't very much but i it seemed kind of like wild things to me where it seemed kind of like it was going to be a little pornographic maybe and I wasn't really into that you know I've only seen it the one time to be honest with you but it had so many good qualities about it that it you should like that. yeah you should watch it made it. me think of like it was going to be a b-movie but it wasn't Mm -mm. Okay. Not in my opinion. I'm definitely going to try it. It ropes you in more than a B-movie. A B-movie you watch for, or like BCD movie, you watch for kind of not satire, but kind of satirical. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's I didn't be so get bad. that You're from gonna this. Laugh at it yeah, this, this, from what I remember, was not that. So yeah, you should watch it. Catherine Isabel plays Ginger, the girl bitten and turned into a werewolf, and she did an incredible job. Like, I wrote this down and it sounds stupid, but it's a very primal and animalistic performance, which I guess is exactly what you're going for when portraying yeah, a human-wolf hybrid, definitely. you know? She went on to reprise the role in two sequels, which I have not seen. 
but she was also in a slew of recognizable horror films in the 2000s. She was in the 2002 Carrie 4 TV remake, which honestly I hated, but she was in it. <laughs> Freddy vs. Jason, 30 Days of Night, Dark Days, and American Mary. And American Mary was a 2016 film that earned her several horror-themed awards. So my last one for the 2000s that I just have to talk about because still blows my mind to this day is Jennifer Carpenter. I I can't talk about 2000s horror without talking about 2005's The Exorcism of Emily Rose. And if you've been with us, I mean, we're only about to go into episode 10, but if you've been with us for pretty much any of the episodes, I'm sure at some point it's come up that I've exorcism movies really get to me yeah and i watched this one again i was in like middle school uh and this was one of those movies that my dad said we could watch as long as i would sleep alone and i fucking did (laughs) it my mom was out of town and i like started out in my bedroom and i couldn't stop thinking about it and i literally climbed in bed with him and i just heard him go (sighs) (laughs) he didn't say anything he just let me sleep there but Man, I could not sleep by myself for a while. Being awake at 3 a.m. by yourself or something, you just know. I'm going to get possessed. Yeah. This is it. Yep. And then you start thinking about that stuff and stuff happens to your body because your mind is so powerful. You're like, am I feeling heavy right now? Like, (laughs) (laughs) she rocked this and she rocked me as a child. Like, her performance was terrifying. They told her. I don't know if you know this or not, mm-hmm. but they told her that they were going to get a dummy. They're like, hey, for all these creepy poses and stuff, we're going to get a dummy for you. And she saw how they were arranging the dummy, and she looked at it, and she goes, I can do that. Mm-hmm. Why are you using the dummy? And she did. Every single one of those is her. Which is why. So she was in White Chicks. Very different <laughs> movie. But there's a scene where she's in a dressing room, and she's, like, screaming and crying because she's trying something on that she thinks makes her look fat and just the scream cry on her face i was like oh oh god it's emily rose and it's like white chicks you know oh my god uh her performance was so good i still have flashbacks of her faces and her voice and her contortion and her like eating the spiders and and i can't say enough good things about her in this film Uh, this was her breakout role as she was fresh out of juilliard so not only is she good in that but she first of all got into juilliard graduated from juilliard and is now a juilliard trained performer that's so, amazing. Yeah. Uh, in 2008, she also gave a really good performance in the movie Quarantine. That's how I was introduced to her, was mm-hmm. Quarantine, which is still, like, it's one of those I love to watch because I love to be scared. And you the love end, the when found footage films, away, too. Oh, found footage. I know there's a lot of people who hate them. Found footage is, it's my thing. I love it so much. I don't know why. It can be cheesy. It can be horrible. But I love the found footage stuff. I mean, other than Blair Witch Project was in 2004, I want to say, this quarantine, paranormal activity, kind of this late, like right before 2010, mid-2000s era is really when we got those. Yeah. And it was pretty uh, groundbreaking for horror, honestly. And the worst- A scary premise. Yeah. The worst found footage film I've ever seen. Still amazing. I love it so much. What was it? The Gallows was probably the worst one that I've seen. And it was still amazing. That one still was so hyped it. up, too. Yes. Do you remember that? That's why I was like, I know this is going to be horrible because you hyped it up too much, but it was still great. Still loved it. I saw that with one of my friends right before I moved here, and I remember not being impressed and not being, like, super disappointed. I was just kind of like, I mean, it was let down for the hype it had, yeah. but something I haven't thought about since mm-hmm. I saw it, pretty <laughs> much. In 2008, she also started Dexter. Yeah, which we just finished recently. You had me watch it, finally. Yep. I, it was that really was good. the third time I've watched it. 
That's so good. I hated that character, but she did an amazing job. Portraying that character. And honestly, her character was pretty smart, even though she was stupid. Like, (laughs) you know... (laughs) And she just wanted her brother's love. Anyways, we're not like gonna go into Dexter because that's a whole podcast oh, yeah. on its own. But, but yeah, that's who I had for the 2000s. So going into the 2010s, the decade we're in now, um, we're just gonna talk about some people that we really love. Yeah, both of us. Yeah. So we each grabbed a few people. That first woman that I have on my list is. I would move to Hollywood and become her best friend in a heartbeat. <laughs> I desperately want to be her best friend. I, <laughs> I want. <Call> us. <laughs> I want to go to lunch with her and discuss things because I love her so much and she's amazing. Jennifer Lawrence. She is my first pick. She has only been well. I thought only one mov- one horror movie, but you told me she'd actually been in another that I totally mm-hmm. forgot about. She was in Mother mm-hmm. and The House at the End of the Street. Mm-hmm. And. I'm sad to say I haven't seen either yet. <laughs> I've seen, like, I've seen the house at the end of the street, but I have not seen Mother yet because we wanted to watch it together. And honestly, with the podcast schedule and things yeah. like that, we just haven't gotten around to it. But I, I love Jennifer Lawrence. I love her performances. I've seen almost everything else that she's done: Silver Linings Playbook, American Hustle, so good. obviously so Hunger amazing, Games, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely so many amazing movies. She's an amazing actress, and I just feel like she's an amazing woman. We all know about the picture scandal that happened. Listen, though. Listen. Okay. She was violated. Absolutely. And she, while it was a lesson to people to not put photos in the cloud if they're famous, she can't be faulted for being hacked. Like, that's just really unfortunate for her, and I hate that. And, you know, take that as kind of a this is how you can get hacked like if you want to send sexy photos to somebody you're with more power to you you deserve to be able to express yourself that way but the fact that those photos were taken and exploited is really sick yeah that's kind of what i was gonna say is she once again she just impressed me with how she responded to it Mm -hmm. because she really didn't she just made a comment of yeah I did those pictures, and those were for my monogamous, very loving relationship that she had at the time with her boyfriend. Those were for him, and the fact that those were released is criminal, and anyone who's looking at them now should be ashamed. Mm -hmm. And the fact that she did that, and then she was done. She just cut it off. That is a strong woman to me. I think that's amazing. And I think she knew, you know, especially in this culture. She has won Best Actress for Silver Linings Playbook, which she absolutely deserved. Mm Mm-hmm. And she is a huge supporter of Planned Parenthood. She actually did, in our town, in Colorado Springs, we had a shooting at Planned Parenthood. He drove into the building and and shot it up. And she actually did a huge um, support thing and raised money to to help it out. I remember when that happened and it really rocked Colorado Springs. Yep. Yep. She's just an overall amazing woman to me and someone I would love to both meet and just live up to. Just talk to. Yeah. The next woman I looked at was... Billy Catherine Lord. Yes, Carrie Fisher's daughter. Yes, ma'am. Rest in peace, Carrie Fisher. <laughs> she has done American Horror Story. She's done mm-hmm. a couple seasons of that now. Mm-hmm. And she has done literally a show called Scream Queens, which mm-hmm. isn't around anymore. They only did two seasons and then they were done. Mm-hmm. She did, in Scream Queens, she actually played a character who walked around with earmuffs on all the time, which was actually in tribute to her mother mm-hmm. because Princess yeah, Leia. The- the buns on mm-hmm. the side of that, yeah. And these women, minus Jennifer Lawrence, they haven't really done a lot so far, but she's pretty young. I, I 
want to say she's in the late 21. She's in, it's not a huge role, but she's in uh, the Star Wars movies. Yeah. She was in episode eight. Oh, I see what you're saying. Guys. Yeah. Mm, Well, she's really, like, she's really young, you know. Exactly. (laughs) These women have a lot of time. I mean, we're just looking at the 2010s. We're in it right Mm -hmm. now. They've got time to go. But I just feel like she is doing so good. And not just because of her mother, but I feel like she's proving things on her own. Despite her mother, she doesn't carry the Fisher name. She doesn't carry any of that. Mm -hmm. And she's doing it anyway. So I just, I feel like she's gonna do some amazing things yeah and it'll I be fun like to she's watch someone to watch and she does well in american horror story loved her as winter right yeah, winter was amazing job. my last woman that i looked at she's amazing and i'm gonna butcher her name and i'm so sorry i tried to practice you guys danae guerrera guerrilla walking <laughs> dead she played michonne Yes. Yes. Absolutely amazing. She was in Black Panther as well, but I'm I'm always gonna know her as Michonne because what a strong woman. She's going in there with katanas. Yes. Yes. In 2018, she was actually announced as a UN woman ambassador. Good. That's great. I just think she's amazing. Yeah. So my first woman actress that I just think is killing this decade is also the youngest actress that we've talked about so far and it is sophia lillis and she was beverly in 2017's it remake and i think what made it such a good film were the children actors in this movie i have never other than in stranger things which there was a stranger things finn wolfhard was in it and Mm -hmm. stranger things but so you've got these this series which is children actors and this movie which is based on these children and they did so well i remember walking out of it and just being totally blown away by Mm -hmm. their performances you know whether you agreed with the remake or didn't agree with the remake or whatever the case may be you cannot deny how good these kids did Mm -hmm. they did an amazing job yeah so i get them confused sometimes i'm sorry that makes me a bad horror person but sometimes i look at stranger things and it and i'm like wait what kids are in which they're in that (laughs) one right just mike he's the only (laughs) one that crossed over um, so she was born in New York City, and she honestly just kind of, her stepfather sparked her interest in acting. And she started taking acting classes when she was seven years old at the Lee Strasberg Theater and Film Institute. In 2014, she did A Midsummer Night's Dream, and later she did the film 37, but it really wasn't until it that she just broke out onto the scene as Beverly Marsh. And... Even when you watch her in interviews, she's still childlike because she's a kid, but she's mm-hmm. so sophisticated. And it's really cool. She's doing, uh, she was just cast in the HBO miniseries Sharp Objects, where she's going to play a young version of Camille Preaker, played by Amy Adams as an adult. And she's also going to be the star of a Nancy Drew film adaptation. That'll be cool. She, she's going to be great in that movie. So. Of course, there's not much about her personal life. Again, she's a child. Exactly. Like, there's not much personal life yet. <laughs> but watching her, because she will be in It Chapter 2. Mm-hmm. And I can't wait to see that. Mm-hmm. I literally, that is the movie I am like Most biting my nails about. Year. Yes, is It Chapter 2, because I just love the first one so much. So good for her. Such a young actress. And I think she'll do a lot. But even if she doesn't, that doesn't discredit her work. Exactly. So good. Chloe Grace Moretz was my next one. I'm talking about a lot of younger ones, mm-hmm. but when they're not too far from your age, I mean, I'm older, obviously, by a, a bit for both of them, but 
Chloe Grace Moretz has been in a lot of movies that I've enjoyed in this decade. It's coming up in another one, too, soon, right? Isn't she in Greta? She is in Greta. I think that's out. Is it out now? Mm-hmm. Ah. Pretty sure Greta came out. Something I wanted to see. Uh, I saw the trailer for it when we went to Happy Death Day. Yep. It's been in every single yeah. horror movie right. preview. So, yeah, she is in Greta, which is out now. And what I really wanted to talk about was, surprisingly, I enjoyed her performance in the 2013 Carrie remake. Did I think she was Sissy Spacek? Right. No. But can Still anybody amazing. be Sissy right. Spacek? No. You know, there was that 2002 adaptation that was like a TV adaptation of Carrie. I thought it was just abysmal. I hated mm-hmm. it. So when they released that they were doing Carrie again, I was like, I don't know if you should touch it, to yeah, be honest, exactly. you know. But when it came out, you know, and it's interesting to see these classic horror films using smartphones and new technology and things mm-hmm. like that to harass and torture and you know so it's an interesting concept and i think she did really well i was really surprised at how well she did not mm-hmm. because i don't think she's a good actress but it's just such i think a difficult role because you have to portray so much emotion just on your face and your expressions when she's blowing shit up right so i thought she did a really good job and she looked really badass covered in blood oh yeah the cover of mm-hmm. her like that was really good yeah so i thought she did a good job i gotta give her a lot of props on that one so i have mixed feelings about American Horror Story, to be perfectly honest with you. There are some seasons that I've enjoyed, mm-hmm. and there are other seasons where I just haven't been as into it. Freak Show? Hotel? I didn't watch Freak Show, or I watched five episodes of Freak Show. I should probably rewatch it, because I feel like I would get into it eventually. I didn't even try Hotel, not necessarily because I heard bad things about it. I just never got around to it. I really loved it. Roanoke. Your woman's in it. Gaga. Lady Gaga, I know. <laughs> and I do like her, but I loved Roanoke. And a lot of people Roanoke hated it, but loved I Roanoke. loved it. I loved Murder House. I loved Asylum. Didn't really like Coven. I loved Coven. It was my favorite. <laughs> and that's why when... And a, Cult. Yeah, I thought Cult was pretty good. It wasn't up there for Murder House or Roanoke for me, but it was good. We really need to finish Apocalypse. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> So we watched, oh, I want to say it was like three episodes of Apocalypse. I think we watched like two or three episodes of Apocalypse. I want to say it was three episodes. And we went to sit down and watch the fourth episode. And for some reason where we had it streaming, it perfectly started at the end of the episode we finished. But yeah. it ended up being the finale episode that we watched. Yeah, we finished the We finale. didn't even realize it. We're like... Where are they going to go from here? What is going on? And then we realized that it was episode 10 and we had finished. We watched one, two, three in the finale. (laughs) And we watched the whole finale and didn't even realize because they fit. The ending was picked up perfectly where the third episode left off. So it must have been like a callback kind of situation. I want to know how many shows you can do that with. I'm fascinated now to figure that out. Watch the first and the last or something and see the how they... watch the first few episodes and then the last episode and it just I know fits. people that do that with books. They'll read like the That's last chapter and then read the whole book. But I'm like, why would you ruin it for that yourself? Or like the last page or something. <clears throat> but I'm talking about American Horror Story because I want to talk about Sarah Paulson. I figured you'd want to talk about Jessica Lange. I know you and love Jessica Lang. I, I do love, love Jessica Lang. But if you're gonna talk about Jessica Lang, you gotta go into like all of her stuff. She's just which amazing. is all let's amazing. Just, let's just do that. And then. I do love Jessica Lang, and I'm glad that she decided to come back to American Horror Story because what I did love about Coven was Jessica Lang, her okay. character. Yeah. And 
she did amazing and I love her but Sarah Paulson specifically has just done a lot more like current films she was just in glass Mm -hmm. she was just in bird box Mm -hmm. briefly in bird box (laughs) yeah and of course she is in American Horror Story and she's always screaming and crying in American Horror Story she's got a this is gonna sound really weird I don't mean it that way she's got a good like screaming mouth like it's just like do you know what I mean yeah like I don't know how to explain it but interesting she's really good at expressing uh I think my favorite character of hers for American Horror Story so far has been when in Asylum oh most definitely yeah when she's the reporter loved it she's good yeah I kind of like though just her little show up in Mm -hmm. Murder House at the Mm -hmm. end when she's just the psychic that was pretty cool too yeah the last horror icon of our decade I have Vera Farmiga so Vera has been in god so many things we just talked about her recently in The Conjuring in The Conjuring yes and her little sister Taisa is in American Horror Story and The Nun yeah so they're kind of a horror family in Bates Motel Yes. And you haven't seen it yet, but I'm going to make you watch it. Mm-hmm. She was in The Orphan. Yes. Love that yeah. movie. Yep. She's coming back for Annabelle 3 for 2019. I mean, I can't imagine she wouldn't come back for mm-hmm. a Conjuring series film. Yeah. But she's coming back for Annabelle 3. And then, of course, we know she did Norman Louise Bates in the Bates Motel show, which earned her a Primetime Emmy Award nomination. And then, of course, Orphan, which is why she's considered like our like a contemporary Green queen. She recently attended the 2017 Women's March. Hmm. Yep. And she was one of over 300 women working in the entertainment industry to lend her name to Time's Up, a movement in sexual harassment and inequality in in the workplace is how Wikipedia describes it, which if you've been paying attention and you've seen Time's Up, you've seen hashtag me too. Mm -hmm. She's uh, one of the spearhead. I mean, she. That's awesome. Yeah. She's especially for what we're talking about right now on Mm -hmm. International Women's Day. Yes, That's exactly. She is progressing forward for women. Mm-hmm. And I love her. And I've I've loved all her performances as Lorraine Warren. Mm-hmm. I'm sure she was good in The Orphan because you love it so much. And I haven't watched Bates Motel. People are going to stop listening because they're like, she doesn't watch horror movies. <laughs> <laughs> I loved all these women. Mm-hmm. You guys, really delving into this really learning about their lives and other movies that they've done that I haven't even thought of in a while mm-hmm. or totally forgotten about entirely. It's also this really fun to read about when you're looking up these classic horror movie women. It's also really interesting just to see how we have evolved yeah. as women and just as human beings yeah. and our roles and seeing how those shift through films and watching the films mirror culture and sometimes Absolutely. not sometimes deliberately taking a stab at it so and horror i think is always yes you have the damsels in distress and the screaming but a lot of times women in horror are the ones that are fighting back and they finally get so fed up with being victims yes. that they're like fuck it I'm going after him or whatever or the monster or so I think it's really I hope that if I have kids that I get to sit down and watch horror with them and do all this because there's a lot to learn from horror movies and these women in horror absolutely we've come so far we just gave you so many decades and Mm -hmm. can you imagine what it's going to be like continuing on in 10 20 years I can't wait to get more writers and directors and producers and see what those women come up with absolutely 
So thank you for joining us on this special International Women's Day episode. You can find us on all our social medias, Facebook and Instagram, The Extra Sisters Podcast, Twitter at The Extra Sisters. And if you need to email us for any reason at all, we would love to talk to you guys. And we are The Extra Sisters at gmail.com. Until then, stay creepy. <laughs>